everybody. Thank you for coming tonight. Uh, whether you're here in the building and you brave the rain or you're online, we're glad that you're here in the service tonight. Um, sister, this is just a little hot. It's almost, almost feedback. Thank you. Praise God. Um, so we're covering, this is our last session of the summer uh, Living Logos series that we've been doing. So um, if you don't know which book we're in by now, you probably have to do the class again. Hallelujah. It's uh, Life of Christ 2. And we're going to cover lessons 7 and 8 tonight, which both deal with the resurrection of Christ. Amen. So we will go ahead and jump right in here. Um, when we look at the resurrection of Christ, uh, there are some events that precede that just immediately before. We're going to sort of start there. And so we're going to start off. Uh, we spoke over the past a uh, couple lessons touched on the suffering of Jesus Christ, and we looked at the events that occurred on his last day, including his crucifixion. So we're going to pick up, you know, just at the point where Jesus dies, and then continue on from there to the resurrection. Amen. So, um, At the death of Jesus, let's go ahead and uh, look at Matthew 27 and verse 50. Matthew 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened in many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Amen. So we have an earthquake that happens when Jesus dies on the cross. And if we go back to the beginning of the Old Testament, when we look at this, this is the end of the Old Testament, you know, very near the point that the New Testament would, be, would begin some weeks later. But Jesus dying paved the way that the New Testament could begin just a little later. Uh, but this, we're in the closing days of the Old Testament here. So there's an earthquake that happens here. And also in Exodus, we're not going to read it there, but we're going to read about it in Hebrews. When the Lord gave the law at Mount Sinai, there was an earthquake. The Bible says that there was a, a dark cloud and there was smoke and fire and there, that the mountain shook. Amen. Uh, let's go to Hebrews 12. Verse 25, we're going to read about that. Hebrews 12 and verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Amen. Uh, continue. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, 
let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Uh, the source of both those earthquakes was the voice of God. When God spoke to them at Sinai, at the mountain, the earth shook. And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice on the cross, the earth shook. There was an earthquake. Amen. Um, you look at that, and the Bible refers in Hebrews back to that, saying the earth was shaken, but there's not only going to be a shaking of the earth, but also of the heavens. Um, if you look at our world today, things are being shaken. I believe like never before. Amen. You know, it, it, Brother Bishop, if I were to ask you, uh, you know, are things the same today as they were even just 20 years ago? I'm sure you'd say, not at all. Amen. And if we go back 30, 40, 50 years, things are not the same as they used to be. Amen. Um, I, was, I was having a conversation with someone and uh, talking about how and why things are happening in the world the way they are today. And if you look at the spirit that's ruling in America today, it seems to be very different than it was just a few years ago. You know, we, we prayed in this room at a call to war and defeated the Prince of America. I think that was about three years ago. And that's been identified many times as a spirit of religious tradition. And that spirit was defeated. Well, what replaced that? What replaced it? The spirit of religious tradition is always replaced by a secular spirit. Amen. The spirit of iniquity. And so if you look at this country just a few years ago, there was at least some semblance of morality. Even if people didn't do it, they acknowledged it. You know, I'm doing this, I'm not really supposed to do it, but I, yeah, I know. I know what's right and wrong, but I'm still going to do this. But it was at least acknowledged. And so there was a lot of sin, yes. But if you fast forward to just the last few years, uh, if you have to ask me what my pronouns are, or if I'm a man or a woman, and, and you can't tell what I am by looking at me, and you're afraid of how people are, oh, I don't, I don't want to be a bigot. Something has changed in this world. Amen. Amen. That people who give into that spirit will not even acknowledge that I am what God made me as. I'm not, I'm not this because I want to be this today. Well, that's not what you are. I'm sorry. But the spirit that is governing now is so far removed from anything to do with God, of even a semblance of right and wrong. You know, we read about that there is, uh, you know, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. That's how it used to be just a little while ago. Now there's not even a form of godliness. Amen. God is shaking everything in this world. And if we think we can hold on to something that was tradition, if we think that we can hold on to anything that's based on the power of man, something down here, that's all going to be shaken away. Amen.
Um, I, I consider myself very patriotic. Um, I've, I've grown up loving this country. I've served this country. I've fought in a war for this country. And I look at what's happening, and it, it breaks your heart in this country. Amen. And I, I'll tell you, God has really had to talk to me about there is a letting go and a mourning process that we need to go through that if you're really attached to this country, and, and again, I think this is the greatest country on the face of the earth. I've been a lot of places, and there's no place I'd rather be than here. Amen. Amen. I, I, you know, if you think you're oppressed here because of whatever you are, try it somewhere else. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But there is a letting go of everything that we hold dear in this life that's going to have to happen. Amen. And if we get wrapped up in what's happening down here, we're going to take our eyes off of where they should be, which is we look for a better city whose builder and maker is God. Amen. The Bible says if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have found reason to return. Amen. I don't say all this uh, being happy about it, but it's where we are. The country that we used to live in 10 years ago, even five years ago, it's going away rapidly. Amen. We need to put our hope in Jesus Christ and his kingdom alone. Amen. Hallelujah. So everything is going to be shaken. Hallelujah. Um, Jesus, of course, after this, you know, dies on the cross. And he didn't die of crucifixion. We talked about this a couple lessons ago. Uh, but if we read in Psalm 69 and verse 20, I'm just going to read it from the, the book here for time's sake. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. Amen. The one that was the comforter looked for someone to comfort him, and there was none. Amen. You know, the Bible talks about experiences that we have. It says that we comfort others with the comfort whereby we are comforted. When we go through things and we let God comfort us, that allows us to minister comfort to other people. Amen. Well, nobody comforted Jesus. Why? Because he's the source of comfort. All comfort begins with him. So there was no comfort for him. Comfort was going to come from him. Amen. He died of a broken heart. Hallelujah. I want to touch on one thing just uh, prior to this, just prior to him dying. Let's go to Luke 23. Luke 23 and verse 39. We will get there. 
The pages will cooperate. There we go. Hallelujah. Luke 24, 23, 39. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. So it, the Bible says that he railed on him. And this is what the Bible calls railing. If thou be Christ, save yourself and us. Um, the first temptation in Jesus' public ministry, just prior to his public ministry starting, started this way. If thou be the Son of God, make these stones into bread. And the very last temptation that he endured was, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Amen. Everything the devil tried to do to overcome the ministry of Jesus Christ had to do with his identity. Who was he? Did he know who he was? And we should expect that if that's what the devil tried to do to Jesus Christ, that's what he's going to try to do in your life and my life. Amen. He's going to try to get you to stop believing that I am a child of God and start trying to prove by what you do, how you act, what you say, that you're a child of God. And as soon as you start doing that, you lose. Amen. He's going to point out your mistakes. He's going to point out your flaws. He's going to point out the stuff you've done. You're, you're not a child of God. Look at this. But we've got to choose to believe the word of God that says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. We've got to hold on to what the Bible says about who we are and let our faith produce that change in our lives to where what we do, what we say, how we think, how we act changes because we're believing the word of God. Amen. If we continue on uh, from there, verse 40, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I wanted to read this because this is something you'll come across when you're talking to people who have a walk with God, but they have not been shown the way of the Lord more perfectly. People will frequently bring this up and say, look, look, the thief on the cross. You just need to trust Jesus and you'll be saved. But Paul exhorted Timothy and said, rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. And so when you look at this, it's important. What, is, what does rightly divide the word of truth mean? It means you need to know what applies to who and when. Rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. You know, if Brother Trust comes and says, Brother Bray, I, I, I accidentally I committed a sin. What do I do? And I say, hold on, hold on, Brother Trust. Let me look it up. Uh, um, bring your, go get your best lamb. I want you to bring it in here. We're going to kill it. And then we're going to take the blood and we're going to 
do, you know, and then we're going to burn the carcass. Would that be the right answer? Anybody? No. Amen. Why? Because that's Old Testament. Amen. That was a type and shadow of what happened in the New Testament. Amen. So when you look at this, what time period is this in? This is still the Old Testament, that Jesus is dying on the cross, and he and the thief are having this conversation. It's not the New Testament. So if you try to use this to prove your New Testament salvation doctrine, you do it to your own peril. Amen. Because you have to ignore dozens and dozens and dozens of verses in the New Testament if you want to say, well, look, the thief on the cross, all he did was say, Lord, you know, have mercy on me. And then he was in paradise with Jesus. If you think that's going to happen today, you're going to find out that that's not how it is. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. After uh, Jesus had died, Joseph of Arimathea came to Pontius Pilate, and the Bible says that he craved the, the body of Jesus. He asked for his body. It says that Pilate marveled that he were already dead and sent soldiers, go, you know, go see. And they went, and because the Sabbath was coming, they broke the legs of the thieves. But Jesus, after they thrust that spear into his side, water and blood came out, and he's already dead. And they, you know, they were surprised. Uh, but, you know, so they took him off the cross and gave his body to Joseph of Arimathea. And then he and Nicodemus wrapped Jesus' body for burial and took him to Joseph's new tomb, which had been hewn out of the rock, and rolled the stone in front of him. Amen. Um, I want to talk about these two men just briefly, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. These were both what we would call today undercover Christians or secret disciples. Amen. And we have heard it preached over the pulpit, and it's absolutely the right thing to preach over this pulpit in this country that we live in that you shouldn't be an undercover Christian. Amen. Why? Because you and I aren't sitting here praying and hoping that the police don't come in the back door and arrest us all for being Christians. Or that somebody doesn't come and you know, take us away or, or put us to death because we're Christians. You know, we live in a country right now that you have the freedom to worship God according to the dictates of your own conscience. So you should not be an undercover Christian. If we're undercover Christians, the motive is probably very different than it was for these two men. Amen. But not everyone is in that situation. Amen. I had a, a man that uh, worked for me. He was from China. And I made several trips and you know, saw him at different times. And there's one particular trip uh, to Thailand that we met. And we were going to a supplier to do some meetings there. And I was at dinner with him one night. And I shared the gospel with him. But he had a hard time understanding it. He, he spoke excellent English. But uh, in China, when they teach you English, they don't really teach you words that are from the Bible at all. 
You know, it is a uh, atheistic communist country. They're not going to teach you that stuff. So he he's like, I, I, I'm not really, I can't really understand everything you're telling me. And I and I broke it down. It wasn't like you know you have the atonement and they, no, it was it was like breaking it down. But he still wasn't really understanding it. And so um, I went back to my hotel room that night and I found a, a tract of uh, Into His Marvelous Light in Mandarin on globaltracks.org, which is a great source if you're talking to somebody that doesn't speak your language. They have tons of stuff on there. Um, so I emailed that to him, and then we were at dinner the next night, and I talked to him, and he said, I want to follow Jesus' plan. And so I met him the next morning at the pool at about 6 in the morning at the hotel, baptized him in Jesus' name, and within just two or three minutes, a person who had certainly never heard somebody speak in tongues and really hadn't even heard about it until the day before was filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, and I, and I tell you that because it's, it's a testimony, but that's not all of it. You know, when he went back to China, he wasn't going to look in the yellow pages and find a good church to go to. It doesn't happen that way. Amen. Um, I saw him a couple times after that. One, he, had, he had actually left the company that we both worked at, but there was a time where I had gone back to Shenzhen and got a hold of him, and we met. And he was still trusting God, still believing God, even though you know, he wasn't going to church anywhere. There really wasn't a place to go to church. Amen. But I want you to notice, it was, it was these undercover Christians who took care of the body of Jesus when the public followers of Jesus had all run away and were hiding behind locked doors right now. Amen. Um, there may come a day where the way we operate needs to be a little different than it is today. Or you may hear about people in other countries that aren't quite doing it the way we do it, but they're in very different circumstances. Amen. Um, I think the key here is we all need to do as much as we can in the circumstances that God blesses us to be in. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, there were efforts made by the chief priests and the Pharisees to shut this whole thing down. Okay, he's dead. Now let's, let's keep it that way. We don't want his disciples to come and steal him away. Um, you know, I, I read about this in the Bible, and it's they, they knew that Lazarus had been raised from the dead. They had planned to kill him, too, to try to stop this. I just I don't completely get the idea that they just didn't believe. Maybe it was some of that, but it more seems like they did believe, but they liked things to stay the way they were because they were in charge. Amen. And that, that's, I think, even more scary than them not believing. Amen. Um, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, turn there, Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. 
and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. Amen. If they don't have faith, that means they got rid of their faith because the Bible says, unto every man is dealt the measure of faith. So they had faith at one point. Maybe it was when they were a child. But somehow they've turned away from that and they don't have faith anymore and now they're unreasonable and wicked men. Um, We are going to face that and you've probably faced that already in your life. Um, The reason for that Uh, John 3, this is still the conversation with Nicodemus, uh, where you read John 3.16 and you read John 3.3, John 3.5. Jesus said, this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Unfortunately, not everyone is going to repent, and there will be unreasonable and wicked men that try to resist what God is doing. Just as they did at the very beginning with Jesus and his burial, they're going to try to do that with us. But the good news is that when the Lord sends his word, it accomplishes that which which he sent it to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, There are many events listed on the resurrection day for time's sake. I'm not going to read through all those. I do want to read John chapter 20. Just a couple verses there. Let me get there. John 20 and verse 15. This is Mary Magdalene talking to Jesus. She doesn't know it yet. John 20, verse 15. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. Why did she not recognize him? It's a pretty simple, natural explanation. Um, We know that after his resurrection, Jesus still had the scars in his hands, in his side. He told Thomas, you know, reach forth your finger, put it in the print of the nails of my hand, and reach forth your hand and put it in my side. And be thou believing you know, don't be doubt. Don't, don't be full of doubt. Be believing. Amen. If he still had the scars in his hands and his side and his feet, the Bible says that his visage was more marred than any man. He still had the scars on his face. And he was beaten so badly that when Mary was looking at him, she didn't even recognize him. Amen. Um, the Bible says, we know this, and Isaiah 53, he hath no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. When when we appear before him and we breathe our last breath here or the Lord calls us away and we see the face of Jesus, it's going to be that same face that Mary saw, but it's going to be the most beautiful face that you've ever seen, scars and all. Amen. Um, 
He answered her. Verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. I think that's one of the, just the most touching passages in the Bible. She's there looking for him. Just, where's his body? Where's his body? She didn't believe he was alive yet, but she's looking for his body, you know? And where did you take him? Where is he? Did you take him somewhere? Tell me where he's at, and I'll, I'll take him away. And that, that despair of not even being able to find his body in one word is turned into joy. Mary. Amen. Amen. There are times in your life where things feel like just it's hopeless. Even when you know Jesus. Amen. Like, what am I going to do? Sometimes that's circumstances. Sometimes it's our own fault. Amen. But Jesus still wants to call your name and let you know, I'm right here. I'm right here. Amen. Hallelujah. This was uh, interesting when I read this. I hadn't put this completely together before reading this, but um, when we look at 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the gospel being the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it says that Jesus was seen of uh, Mary, then of Cephas, which is Peter, then of the twelve, then of five hundred, who are alive, most of whom are alive unto this day. You actually can't find in the Bible the account where Jesus met with Peter by himself before meeting with the twelve. Amen. There's a private meeting that took place where Peter saw Jesus. We don't know if anything was said. Don't know. But Peter, I think, felt probably the worst as far as I've really let him down. And the Bible says that he saw him. Peter saw him. Amen. I, I hadn't noticed that before. I've read that passage tons of times, but it was like, you know, all the other things we can read in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Here's the 500. He ascends. You know, the 12. You read about it at the end of the Gospels. But that meeting's not recorded. Amen. There, there are some things that the Lord wants to do in your life that He doesn't really have to tell anybody else about. It's just between you and Jesus, and He'll take care of it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, the next section here talks about the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if, if you boil it down, if you look at all religions in the world, all belief systems in the world, um, the way that you make up for things that are wrong in your life, things you've done wrong, is you have to do more good than you've done bad. I remember even as a kid, you know, having gone to uh, catechism, I'll just leave it at that, I, I had this idea in my head. It's like, 
you know, it's like a, sort of like a teeter-totter or a seesaw, you know, and you just you got to make sure the good outweighs the bad. Then you're fine. But that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way at all. Every belief system has people trying to earn their way into heaven. All of it. Everything. It's all about that. Including a lot of Christian faiths who have let it become that. Amen. i got to do more good than bad so the good can outweigh the bad at least enough so I get in. It doesn't work that way. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ proved to us that's not the way it works. Amen. The Bible says that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And the Bible says that we were dead in trespasses and sins. If you're already dead, you can't do any more good to come out of that. Amen. I, uh, you, know, you look at the resurrection. That is what gives us hope. Not just, you know, on my dying day, but hope through every day of your life. That if he was able to overcome death, there's not anything in my life that he can't overcome. Amen. Um, while traveling, I've been able to interact with a lot of people who believe a lot of different things. And there was a, a particular trip I was on, again, in Thailand. And there was a lady that worked for me. And during this trip, um, her father died. And so the funeral was in a couple days, and she asked me to come to it. And I said, sure, of course. And she had a, another lady that she was close to that was a little bit senior to her in the company. And I knew both of them very well. I talked to both of them about the Lord. And this, this other lady, uh, I asked her, I said, are you going to go to the funeral? And she said, no, I can't. And, you know, in Thailand, pretty much everybody's a Buddhist. Amen. I said, well, why not? She said, well, um, this, the time of the year right now is this on the Zodiac, and my sign is this, so if I go, it'll be bad luck. And I had talked to her about the Lord before, and I knew, I knew that she had felt the presence of God when I had talked to her before. She felt the love of God, the presence of God. And I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry, that's nonsense. It's nonsense. Here's what I know. You've got a friend who is hurting right now. And you're one of her closest friends. And she needs you there to get through this time in her life. And she looked down for a second and then she looked back and she said, yeah, you're right, I'm going to go. Amen. And to my knowledge, she never yet has become a Christian. But truth, truth still brings hope. It still brings light. Amen. I mean, how many people have you witnessed to where, you know, maybe they have not obeyed the gospel yet, but when you speak truth into somebody's life with love, it still does something in their life. Amen. They, you know, they may not be ripe yet to be pulled off the tree and brought into the harvest, but when we speak the truth with love, it still brings light. 
and it still brings hope. And when they act on it, it still does good things in their life. Amen. I remember, you know, growing up, not in this, not believing this way. You know, believing the Bible is the Word of God. I just didn't know it, know it well enough to know that what I believed wasn't in here. But I believed that the Bible was the Word of God. I believed in God. And there were a lot of good things that happened in my life just because of that. There were a lot of good things that, you know, I didn't do things because I knew they were wrong just because of this, even though I hadn't fully come into the truth yet. Was I saved? No, of course not. But the Word of God works in people's lives. It's not just like the first thing that happens in somebody's life is they're born again. Amen. You don't go from zero up to now you're saved. There's a process. Amen. And so the resurrection gives power to what we say, to what we speak into people's lives, and helps them to know, you know what? What I'm doing is not working, but they have hope. Amen. Praise God. The next section talks about uh, proofs of his resurrection. Um, It goes through the empty tomb. It was never disputed that the tomb was empty. Uh, The grave clothes, John found the grave clothes. The napkin was folded. there's a, if you look at Hebrew culture, Jewish culture, actually, when the napkin is folded, it means I'm coming back. Amen. If it's put away, then I'm not. So the grave clothes were there, the way they were laid out, uh, they were just there as if he had been in them and then was gone, not torn open. Uh, the broken seal, the seal was, uh, you know, in all likelihood had the seal of the governor on it you know, punishable by, if you break that seal, you're probably going to die. Amen. That wasn't disputed that that seal was uh, not there, and and the fact that it it was broken was acknowledged by everybody. And the Pharisees and the priests talked to the soldiers to make up a reason why it was broken or what happened. Amen. Um, Of course, Jesus appearing to many, many different people. The Bible says that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs is evidence of his resurrection. Uh, But there's one that's not listed here that I think is extremely convincing. Um, All of these men had walked with Jesus, had ate with him, ministered with him. Um, It's different than you and I. You and I have never seen Jesus with our own eyes in the flesh. Amen. Uh, But these men had. And if they knew that he really did not rise from the dead, not one of them would be willing to die to maintain the lie. Amen. Not one of them. You know, you could be convinced of something today about something that happened a long time ago, and you believe it, but you could sincerely believe it and be wrong. But these men walked with him, knew him. Amen. Not one of them would have said, hey, you know, even if we get killed, let's keep this going. Why? If it's not real, you have no benefit from it. 
Amen. You don't lie your way all the way to, I'm going to be killed for this, if it's not true. Amen. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Because if you're lying about it, you're doing it so that you can benefit from what you're saying in this life. Because if he didn't really rise from the dead, there isn't anything to benefit after you die. Amen. So the fact that all of the apostles, with the exception of John, you know, all of them were killed for their faith. They tried to kill John. It didn't work, so they, ban- they banished him to the Isle of Patmos. But all of them died for their faith. Amen. I think that's some of the strongest evidence for the resurrection that there is. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm just going to read a passage from the, the book here. We know that he lives not only because of an empty tomb, but also because of a full heart. A full heart. When we receive the Holy Spirit, We receive the spirit of the risen Christ. Amen. You know, it's one thing to believe what the Bible says, that he rose from the dead, and believe it just because you read it, because, you know, it's there. But it's another thing when you have evidence for yourself that the one who said all this happened is now living inside of me. Amen. And and you hear people say, well, Jesus lives in my heart. It's like, okay, how do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that? Because there's a supernatural manifestation that happens when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Romans 8 and 9 says, now if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Ghost, You don't belong to him. So it's like, how do I know I have the Holy Ghost? Well, we know when we read the Bible that when they got the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, they spoke in other tongues. Amen. When I got the Holy Ghost, I had never even heard of speaking in tongues. It wasn't something I could have learned how to do, quote unquote, or been like, oh, that's what's supposed to happen. So, okay. I had never even heard of that. All I knew was when the preacher was done preaching, I was in trouble with God. And I ran down to the altar. And people prayed for me, and I got the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. I wasn't expecting for that to happen. I didn't know that would happen. Never even heard about that. But it happened. And that lets me know, if something can happen in my life like that, and then after the fact I read about it, oh, that's what's supposed to happen. That's pretty good independent evidence that this is true. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, Jesus' last 40 days on earth, he was doing three things. He showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. He gave commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he spoke to them of things pertaining to to the kingdom of God. We're going to touch on those three things. Praise God. Uh, we've, we've 
covered at length, uh, both in this class and Brother Breckenridge in the Acts, uh, the church history class, about Jesus showing himself alive with many infallible proofs. Um, they were convinced that he was alive. They saw him. Amen. Um, I have a question. How convinced are we of his resurrection? How convinced are we? And, and we can say, I'm convinced. I'm completely convinced. But the Bible gives us a gauge to know how convinced we are. Amen. Uh, John 7, 37, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. The Bible says that in that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then it's explained in parentheses, But this spake he of the Spirit, that they which should believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And in a lot of our teaching, we make a pretty big deal of where it says, He that believeth on me, what? As the Scripture hath said. You know, you can't believe in your own Jesus that you made up and his attributes and how he acts and what he does. None of that matters. We have to believe on him as the Scripture hath said. And then the Bible says, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. There's a correlation between how much we believe the Scripture and what it says about him and how much flow there is flowing out of us. Amen. If you're having a problem with flow, might not be, oh God, let there be more flow of the Holy Ghost in my life. The proper prayer might be, Lord, help me to believe on you the way the Scripture says. Amen. Amen. The more we believe what the Word of God says, I, Isaiah said this, Lord, who hath believed our report? Who is he talking about? The people of God in the Old Testament. If that happened then, do we not think that probably still happens today? The Word of God comes forth. Lord, who hath believed our report? Not, a, not 100% of the ears that the Word of God goes into mix that with faith and get a hold of it and believe it. Amen. And we need to look at our own life. If God is not able to do what He wants to do through my life, if I'm still struggling with some things, or if I'm, Lord, make me a better witness, Lord. Wherever you are seeing that there maybe is some development that hasn't happened, we should probably pray, Lord, am I not believing you? Lord, am I not believing you? Am I not getting a hold of what you're saying and believing that over the report of the world or over the report of my own feelings or how I think about things? Lord, I want to believe what your word says. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. The second thing he was doing is he gave commandments. Uh, the Great Commission was 
part of that. Uh, let's go to Mark 16 and verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Amen. So he gave the Great Commission. This is a commandment to go. Um, we've already gone pretty in-depth on what the gospel is, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we've seen in the book of Acts how that's applied, beginning with Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, that we need to repent of our sins. We need to be baptized by immersion in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Amen. So he gave them the commandment to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Sometimes you wonder why it says creature. You know, you look at why does it say creature? Why doesn't it say every person? Well, that, that make sure you don't exclude anybody. <laughs> nah, I don't know if I want to. Yes, you will talk to that creature. <laughs> Go talk to him now. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Quite honestly, I, was, I would probably be the last person you ever thought would want to hear the gospel. It, just being around me, you'd be like, ah, I don't know if he wants to really hear this. Amen. But all the stuff I was doing, I was doing because I was hungry and thirsty for something. But I didn't know what it was. I was trying to fill that emptiness inside with something. So a lot of times, the people that you might think would be the farthest away from God, they may be doing what they're doing because they're looking for something and they're just waiting for somebody to tell them what they're really looking for. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Um, we're going to go ahead and conclude with Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. We'll wrap up this lesson. Acts 1 and verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, let's, let's go up a couple verses, I'm sorry. Uh, verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They're, they're, they were wanting things down here to be fixed and go back to the way they were. Amen. And he's like, no, that's not really how it's going to be. Verse 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. 
Amen. Um, the awesome thing about that is, you know, you look at that, and that is our hope today. That's our hope today. You know, uh, Sister Middleton, the, if everything just kept, you know, it went downhill in my life, and it just, you know, money and situations, it just got worse and worse and worse, I can still have hope. Amen. At the very end of the Bible, it says, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. No matter what we face down here, no matter what we go through. You know, the pastor talked about this uh, last weekend. You know, you look at however old you are right now, and it seems like, how in the world did I get here? Like that. Life just flies by. The Bible says this life is a vapor. It's like the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Amen. No matter what we have to go through, no matter how things do or don't work out, if stuff we wanted down here works out the way we wanted it or not, amen. I can have hope every day that He loves me. Not just hope that when I die, I'm going to make it to be with Him, but hope every day that He's with me no matter what I face. I don't have to go through it alone. And I can have peace in my heart even when there's not peace in the things on the outside amen it's his resurrection that gives us hope praise god let's we're going to go ahead and close right now with this lesson if you'd pray with me lord jesus we thank you so much for your goodness for your mercy and your grace oh god lord we ask that you would help us day by day to walk with you more closely oh god give us hearts that are hungry for you Lord, give us ears to hear when you speak to us, Jesus. Give us hearts to obey you, Father. We trust you and we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.